Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Who has ears to hear, let them hear. Lord, we ask today that you would speak to our hearts. We want to hear your voice. We want to receive what you have for us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. Open up our ears, our eyes, make our hearts tender and responsive so that we will know you more and more. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is our last week for Bible engagement before we take the rest of the month off. And this week, we're going to talk about how God helps us to overcome fear and anxiety. Well, I'll tell you, fear and anxiety, we all are acquainted with. No matter who you are, all of us have experienced fear and anxiety. They're actually normal emotional reactions to difficult situations, to situations that maybe we don't know, we feel out of control, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so fear and anxiety are just part of life. So again, fear and anxiety are not sinful because emotions are not sinful. Emotions are God's gift to us. But what we learn about emotions is while we experience our emotions, we have to learn not to let our emotions dictate our behavior. And so we have to learn what to do with our emotions. We need to learn how to come into the place of peace, of rest, right, of joy that Jesus gives to us. And sometimes that takes a lot of practice. And we're going to talk about, a bit about that this morning. But when we have negative emotions in our life, it is, it is an opportunity to come into the presence of God and to give him whatever we're feeling. Do you know that you don't have to hide your emotions from God? Because if you're not yet aware of this truth, he already knows that you're feeling them. Right? So sometimes we feel like, well, I, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way as a Christian. And so we try to like shove it, stuff it, hide it, numb it, feed it. Hello? Right? But as Christians, we don't have to do that because as Jaleesa shared in worship, why would we still serve God? Why do we pray? Why do we do that if we're still going to go through hardships? Because now we have God. Jesus is with us. We have everything that he died to give us. It's available, but we have to learn how to receive it. Tell your neighbor, you got to receive it. Now, this is the season of giving. How many of you are excited to give? Okay, how many of you are excited to receive? I knew that was going to be louder. I just knew it. I just knew it. We're excited to receive gifts, right? We're excited for the things that this season has to offer us. But you know, Jesus has a bunch of gifts for you and I, but we've got to learn how to receive them. Peace of heart, strength, encouragement, hope, joy. And we have the privilege of being able to bring whatever we're going through to the very presence of God. So as I was praying for this word this morning, I was led to this phrase. I just heard this phrase in my spirit, I am with you. Say that, I am with you. Do you know that that's actually what one of the names of Jesus is, Emmanuel? I am with you. Don't go to that one yet. You're getting ahead of me. All right. So I hope you brought your Bibles. We're going to be in Isaiah 41. Go to Isaiah chapter 41. 
your Bibles, your pencils, your pens, your highlighters, your journal. Isaiah chapter 41. I'm just going to focus right now on verses 10 through 13. Can you read it with me? Can we do something different? Can you stand to your feet for the reading of the word? This is the main text for today. Stand to your feet. I literally want to keep you on your toes at church. You don't know what to expect. All right, I want you to read this. Here we go. Don't be afraid. Read it. For I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. Let's read it one more time from the top. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. For, chapter 41, verse 10. Oh, I put the wrong, see, that's what happens. I put the wrong scripture in the computer. It's a test to see those who brought their Bible, I guess. You know, your pastor has a little bit of number dyslexia, and now you see that. <laughs> All right. Isaiah 41. So not that one. Oh, there we go. Good job, Colleen. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Here we go. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Verse 11. See, all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Whew. You can be seated. Woo! That is such a good verse. Yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. So here we're being told, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Now, again, I want to emphasize that this is a command of God. And what it means is not that you can't have fear, but when you start to feel afraid, you can actually control it. You don't have to give in to distress and anxiety. You don't have to give in to discouragement. You have the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to battle through those emotions and to come into a place of victorious peace. Tell your neighbor, victorious peace. And we're going to unpack this scripture because this is God himself speaking to us. And he gives us reasons why we do not have to be afraid. Why we don't have to be dismayed, distressed, discouraged, frustrated, anxious, or worried. I know that right there, this is a what kind of a moment for you. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in complete stress all the time. Oh, my pastor, you don't know what my life is like. If you know what my life was like, then you would know that I just can't help it. Because Whatever your na-na-na-na-na is, God is bigger and stronger. And we're going to talk about that. And you don't have to live in a constant state of discouragement. The devil wants to discourage you. The devil wants to frustrate you. The devil wants to make you afraid. The devil wants to come in and disrupt and destroy whatever he can. Everybody say my favorite two words, but God. 
So don't be afraid. And he gives us five reasons why. And if you have your Bible, I want you to underline them. All right. The first one's found in verse 10. Do not be afraid. Why? For I am with you. I am with you. One of the first reasons why you and I don't have to live in fear, even in the middle of a situation that is fearful. Hello? Even in the middle of a difficult thing where I don't know what the answer is, I can remind myself, Dawn, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. He's with you. Say that. God is with me. Here's the reason number two. It's also found in verse 10. Don't be discouraged. Why? For I am your God. I am your God. Your God is the great I am. Your God is the creator of heaven and earth. Your God is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's your God. Your God ain't Buddha. Your God ain't the president. Your God isn't your favorite influencer. Well, you, gotta be, you better make sure that's not who you worship and serve. But he says, I am your God, your God. Can you just sense the power in that? Come on, I want you to close your eyes and say, you are my God. Just let the weight of that truth just sink in at a deeper level. You are my God. And the third reason why is also in verse 10. Why are we not to be afraid or discouraged? Because he promises to strengthen us. He says, I'll strengthen you. Remember what we're talking about. He won't always spare us from the battle, but in the battle, he'll strengthen us. Right? In prison, he was with Joseph. He strengthened Joseph. In the lion's den, he was with Daniel. He strengthened Daniel. When Jesus was going through the beating for our salvation, God was with him. And I don't know what you're going through, but he is with you to strengthen you. He strengthens you. And do you know how you receive the strength of the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit? That's why you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're learning how to linger in the presence of God. That's why we're learning how to abide in the presence of God. Because that's where we find strength. For those who wait upon the Lord shall renew there. So what do you got to do to get new strength? Wait on the Lord. Wait doesn't mean like, oh, well, okay, sirrah, sirrah. What will be will be whatever happens. I'll just see in the meantime. No. It's an act of waiting of faith. It's an act of waiting of trust. It's an act of waiting of obedience. He says, you don't have to be afraid or discouraged because I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. I will give you what you need to get through. And look at the next one. He says, not only that, but I will help you. He promises to help you. I don't know about you, but there's no better helper than God. In fact, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is helper. Jesus said, it's good that I go away because when I do, I will send you another. He's a helper. He is the Holy Spirit. I will help you. Look at the next one in verse 10. What else does it say? I will hold you up. He will hold you up. Not only will he hold you up, but what will he hold you up with? His victorious right hand. Oh, his victorious right hand. 
upholding you. So I want to take what this says, because this is God saying, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Now we're going to make it personal. Now I want you to say this with me. God is with me. God is my God. God strengthens me. God helps me. And God upholds me. Selah, pause, let it sink in. Why do we not have to give in to fear or discouragement? Because God is with us. God is God and he's your God. You know what that means? He takes personal ownership and responsibility for what happens to you. He cares deeply about what is going on in your life. When he says, I am your God, then that means I'm paying attention. I'm your God, I'm in control. That's what it means. I am in control. I'm sovereign. I'm above it all. I know what you don't know. I see what you can't see. If you only trust me, God will strengthen me. God will help me. And God upholds me. Notice the reason. What every single reason points back to God. Jesus is the reason. Not just for the season, but to live full of faith and without fear or anxiety. He is the reason. God is the reason. The reality is that you and I will feel fear. We are biologically wired to feel fear. There is a chemical that is released in fearful situations. So again, it's not sinful to feel afraid, but we have an answer with our fear. So when I feel afraid, I don't have to try to go and work harder, do more, strive, accomplish, talk, cheat, whatever people do when they're afraid, drink, get online, watch porn, whatever our go-tos are, I can go to God. And this is the challenge, church, that God is calling his people to in this hour. Stop going to every other option and learn to go to God alone. We have so many options in this world that we live in today. 24-7 entertainment, computers on our wrist. We have so much opportunity to go anywhere and everywhere. Everything is accessible. You don't even have to go to the store. They'll bring it to you. It's so easy. And that's why you and I have to be so intentional that we don't go to anything else but God alone. You got to discipline yourself. Tell your neighbor, discipline yourself. Come on, say it with a little dude. You got to discipline yourself. (laughs) You got to discipline yourself to go to God first. Discipline yourself to read his word. Discipline yourself to remind you of, your, of the promises of God. There's times when I start to feel stressed out or worried and I have to stop myself and say, Don, what does the Bible say? That's little, I talk to myself it's all day, all the time. Maybe because I live alone, but I do. I talk to myself. Well, I talk to Jesus, but you know, I talk aloud and I tell myself, girl, you need to stop. You know how sometimes the mind starts going? Next thing you got, and I'm like, and I'm like, girl, you need to stop. Jesus, what does the word say? You got to remind yourself 
Because if we can learn to go to God, he's with me, he's for me, he's my God, he strengthens me, he helps me, he upholds me. That's where now I enter into a place where I can receive comfort in my fearful places. That I can receive assurance. I can receive that strength, that help, that sustaining power until victory comes. Look, look at again, verses 11 through 13. I like these verses. Man, I just love the Holy Spirit. Because Rich, you read something very similar Right When God spoke to Israel before they crossed the Red Sea and then the, the lineup today, Jalisa, I just want to say, hey, Holy Spirit, he's got something going on because we didn't plan this, but Holy Spirit knows. All right. I love these verses. Look at this. Verse 11. See, he wants you to see, see, see all your enemies, all your angry enemies. They're lying there. In other words, they're already defeated. They're powerless. They might be noisy. But they're lying there. What are they? Confused. Humiliated. Some of you need to circle this stuff. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. Ooh. This is what happens when you let God fight your battles. You fight your battles, you make it worse. <laughs> you say things you wish you could take back but can't. You do things that you regret. But when we learn to let God fight our battles, he's like, just take a look at what happens when I get involved. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. <laughs> those who attack you will come to nothing. See, when God spoke this to the nation of Israel, they could relate. Why? Because when they crossed the Red Sea, it said that God hardened the hearts of the Egyptians and they chased them into the waters. Rich read it. And what happened? The waters crashed in on the enemy. Israel was saved and the enemy was completely destroyed. And the Bible says to be seen never again. Come on, tell your neighbor, never again. So when God is saying this to you, you're going to look, you're going to try to see, and they're going to come to nothing. They're confused, they're humiliated, because time after time after time, Israel saw God do this in, in the different battle situations they fought. God is with me. God is my God. God strengthens me. God helps me. God upholds me. Verse 13, for I hold you. Come on, everybody take your right hand. I hold you by your right hand. Can you just close your eyes? And I want you just to picture that. Reach out and grab the hand of Jesus. He holds you by the right hand. Wow. I don't know what image you get, but I see a strong father with a little child just reaching out and grabbing. Oh, he's, I got you. So good. Verse 13, for I hold you by your right hand. I. Lord, your God, hold your right hand. I hold you. And I say to you, don't be afraid, for I am here to help you. So God gives us five reasons why we don't need to give in to fear. Because he is with me. He's my God. He strengthens me. He helps me. He upholds me. Now, look at this carefully. Because this gives you a visual of what God his, his, his close proximity to you. So with, when it says God is with me, that means he's beside me. Tap your side. That means he's right there beside you. Now, when it says God is my God, that means he's over me, right? He's the ruler of everything. 
He's sovereign. He's in control. So God is beside me. He's over me. Now, when it says God strengthens me, he's inside me. The Holy Spirit is inside me. Not only is God beside me, he's inside me. And then it says God helps me. You know what that means? God is all around you. Come on. He's all around you. So he's beside you. He's over you. He's inside you. He's all, everybody, come on. He's all around. You got to do this stuff. It will stick with you. Do it with me. God is with me. He is over me. He is in me. And he is all around me. And here's the last one. He upholds me. So he's beneath me. (laughs) Just seeing who's paying attention. He's upholding me. He's under me. (laughs) He's under you. Okay, one more time. So God is beside me. He's over me. He's inside me. Okay, he's all around me and he's beneath me. Come on, you won't forget this. You're going to be walking this week and you'll be like, God's with me. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've been doing Good News Club and I'm learning how to teach in this way. You think about how amazing it is that God is not only with you, but he's above you. He's, he's holding you up from underneath. He's all around you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You might think you're surrounded by the enemy. He's hitting you on all sides. The battle is raging on so many fronts, and it might look like you're surrounded, but the reality is you're surrounded by the presence of God. These are the five reasons God says you don't have to give in to fear. You don't have to live in fear. So when you are afraid, you remind yourself, God is with me. He's my God. He strengthens me. He helps me and he holds me up. So here comes the crux of the matter. What dominates your thoughts? Because whatever dominates your thoughts will determine your emotional state. Now, let's understand how it works. We have emotions. Our initial reaction is emotional. And then our mind begins to react to our emotions. And then our mind can make our emotions worse. And then we just get this cycle. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That's why little things can become huge things. Right? And so we have to say, when we get that initial emotional reaction, we start to feel something and our emotions start to get aware and our mind starts to react to our emotions. That's where we got to stop and learn how to control our thoughts. Because I don't want my thoughts to feed my emotions and get into that crazy cycle. I want to learn how to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And I want to learn how to not live in fear or live in anxiety or live in stress. Okay? This is good. This is counseling. You guys should pay me a thousand bucks for today, each of you, because what I'm teaching you will help you, okay? Therapy is good and you should do it if you need it, but I'm helping you here. And if you will take notes and if you will listen, I will save you some sessions. Okay. It takes one to know one. All right. So what dominates your thoughts? Let's go to Matthew chapter six. Verse 25 through 33. Now, you might be familiar with this, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Because I have a lot of scripture, as always. I love the word. 
So I always home with a lot of scripture, but I'm going to get into it. So if you have your Bibles, you'll have an easier time following along. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33, Jesus is explaining to us that God knows all of our needs. He knows what that we need to eat. He knows that we need to have clothes to wear. He knows everything about us. And in verse 26, he says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest. They don't store food in barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. Read this phrase and you should underline it. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Jesus said, the reason why you don't need to worry about everyday things is because you are more valuable to God than the birds who don't have to do anything. You are valuable. That's what I want you to put there in that scripture. I am valuable. God sees me as valuable. God cares about me. I am valuable to God. Say that. I am valuable to God. That's what Jesus is trying to say to us in this scripture. You don't have to give in to worry or fear about how you're going to pay your bills. How are you going to put your kid through college? How are you going to meet the bills? Because inflation is crazy and gas is expensive and gifts are expensive. And how are we going to do everything we got to do this season? You know how quickly finances can drive us to go a little loony? Fear, anxiety. Jesus said, you don't have to worry about that because you're valuable to God. Say it again. I am valuable to God. And then verse 30. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So not only are you valuable to God, but God cares for you. I want to say that God cares for me. I want you to close your eyes and drink in that truth. God cares for me. Get it deep in us. Because look what Jesus says next. He says, so why do you have so little faith? So you know what the answer to worry and fear and anxiety is? To have faith in God. Why? Because he's with me. He is beside me. He's in me. He's over me. He's upholding me. Faith that God is who he says he is. That God will do what he promises to do. I I had a, a, a message this morning. And she was saying, this uh, Bible teacher says, faith is a restful place. And I was like, that's good. I'm going to steal that this morning. Faith is a restful place. Rest in our inside, right? Rest in our thoughts, rest in our emotions. So when I'm not at rest up here in my mind, if I'm not at rest in my heart, then I need to get into faith again. I need to remind myself of what God says. So here's the next thing. So you're valuable to God. He, God cares about you. I like this next one. Okay. So verse 31. So why? Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows. Everybody say already. Before you know you got a need, he already knows your need. He already knows all your needs. Say all. All your needs. Emotional, mental, physical, all your needs. All means all. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Now you and I, we're believers. But how many of you know When we're lacking in faith, that means we're lacking in belief. So Jesus says, where's your faith? 
These things dominate worry, fear, concerns. They dominate the thoughts of those who don't know God, who don't have faith in God. But that's not you. Remember, your Heavenly Father already knows your needs before you know your needs. Can I be honest? That's one of the things I've really learned about God in my journey with Him, is that He knows my needs before I even know my needs. Uh, you probably got stories of where all of a sudden God surprises you with the bonus, and you're like, yeah, $1,000, and then your car breaks down. And you're like, man, that's not what I wanted to put my bonus towards. And we could get frustrated or grumpy or realize God knew your car was about to break down and he gave you a bonus. He already knows your needs. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Believe and trust him. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And that's why I ask the question, so what dominates your thoughts? Because whatever dominates your thoughts will dictate your emotions. I'm going to say it again because you're going to need to get it. Whatever dominates your thoughts will dictate your emotions. My initial emotions, that, that's that. But after that, I can choose what dominates my thoughts. And by choosing what dominates my thoughts, now I can tell my emotions, shh, be still. He's God. He's good. He's got you. Verse 33, read it out loud. Seek the kingdom, I don't hear you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So what's the answer? Seek God. Seek God above everything else. Seek God before you Google it. Seek God before you text somebody. Seek God before you try to get that other job. Seek God before you try to do some changes. Seek God first. Seek God before you get online and start shopping. Seek God before you get online and start scrolling. Seek God first. Come on, there are so many things that when we start to feel afraid or discouraged, we look to, but the answer is seek God above it all. Seek God above all else. And, everybody say, uh-oh, and. <laughs> and live right. That means I got to be living right before God, obeying God, doing what he's asked me to do. It's a both and, faith and works. So we got to seek God above all else. And then when God tells you to do something, no matter how insane it sounds, obey. When you start to seek God above all else, some of his instructions will not make sense. God, I'm trying to save money for this. Lord God, how am I going to get the money I need to do this? What do you want me to do? Write a check and give it to the church. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with the frequency. I said I need money. I need, I need the money. You want me to give the money I have away? Homie say what? He will ask you to do things that make no sense. Moses is like, God, you brought us out here. The people are not happy. We see Egypt. They're coming after us. We're stuck in this big old Red Sea. We are literally stuck between the enemy and the water. What do you want us to do? Stretch your hand out over the water. See, we know this story, so we kind of glaze over some of the weird instructions God gives them. Do you think the water just went whoop? I don't think so. I can imagine Moses is like, okay, God, 
do you see anything happening? Hey, Joshua, do you see anything? I don't know. I don't know if I see anything. He told me to stretch my hand. God's instructions will not always make sense, but you have to obey whatever he tells you. I can tell you time after time again, when I've learned to seek God for the answer, and practical everyday answers, not just spiritual stuff like everyday stuff. Do you know what happens? He gives you good instructions, and you've got to learn to do them, even if it doesn't make sense. What dominates your thoughts? We must have faith. Everybody say have faith. I want to take you to the book of Isaiah again. Go back to Isaiah chapter 8. Ooh, I turned right there. That was nice. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 through 14. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 through 14. This is the question I'm asking on all of these scriptures. What is dominating my thoughts? So in Matthew 6, I can't allow my thoughts to be dominated with worry and anxiety over how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to make things ends meet? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I got to put God first and I got to seek him and have faith. That's the first part. So in this one, what dominates your thoughts? Let's look at it. In verse 11, Isaiah 8 verse 11, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. A, what kind of warning? A strong warning. This is not a, hey, why don't you consider? No, this is a strong warning. Do not think like everyone else does. This is so important because today, a lot of us think like whatever we follow, watch, or listen to. We are influenced by what we read, what we hear, and what we take in. So if I take in a certain kind of news, I'm going to feel one way about something. But if I take in a different kind of news, I'm going to feel a different way about it. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so he's saying, you cannot think like everyone else does. Now look what it says. I love this. Verse 12. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Oh, the economy. Oh, inflation, what's going to happen? What about the housing market? What am I going to do? Oh, it's just, the, the news says it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, and we better buy all kinds of supplies. You know how it is, the, the fear. By the way, news peddles fear. So if you got a fear, an irritation, angry, ir, you know, kind of problem, turn off the news. That's a free one, too. He says, don't call everything a conspiracy. Don't give in to all the what ifs. What could it be? What might happen? Oh, this and that and this and that. Don't give in to it. Don't think like they would. Don't live in dread of what frightens them. Here it is, verse 13. Oh, this is good. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. And he will keep you safe. Wow. Okay, look at verse 13 again. Make the Lord of heaven's army. First of all, look at the title. When God chooses a specific title in relation to a specific instruction, pay attention. The Lord of heaven's armies. Do you know what the heaven's armies are capable of doing? One angel put, put to flight 188,000 Assyrian warriors, the strongest of the time. One angel. 
Do you know there are stories of the war in, I believe, 1967, the war of Israel, where one angel showed up and defeated a tank? Tanks? Tanks? And the Jews witnessed it and were like, they have actual testimony of Jewish soldiers today who testify of how God showed up and did what they couldn't do for themselves. He says, I am the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. So what enemy can defeat heaven's armies? None. So why are we afraid of what the world can do? Why are, who is man that I should be afraid of him? What can man do to me? The Lord of heaven's armies, he's my God. Make him holy. You should fear him. You know what this is saying? Worship God alone. When you feel afraid, when you're starting to feel dread and anxiety about what could be, what might be, and the enemy is whispering to you all the what ifs, all the possibilities, you need to tell the enemy, shut up. My God is the Lord of heaven's armies. And he is for me. He is beside me. He is over me. He is inside of me. He is all around me. And he upholds me. I don't have to give in to whatever the enemy says. The what ifs. The unknowns. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to... How am I, how am I going to... Shh. Make him holy. Worship him. God, I come before you in my fear and my anxiety, and I, I acknowledge that I don't know how this is going to work out. I acknowledge that I don't know how or what, but I choose in this moment to make you holy because you are holy, and I worship you. I fear you. I reverence you. I respect you. You are God. And all of heaven's armies are at your disposal. You will fight for me. You will provide for me. You will protect me. You will uphold me. You will strengthen me. You will help me. Oh, do you feel a shift when that happens? All of a sudden, you can't help it. You go from being afraid to like, come on, my God. Make God holy, fear him alone. What is dominating your mind? Conspiracies, the what ifs, the questions, the unknowns, the uncertainties, or who God is. Make him holy, worship God. That's number two. So the first one, it's up there. Seek God above all else, right? Yep. Now the other one, worship God alone. Worship God alone. Because the promise is he will keep you safe. Verse 14, just the first line, he will keep you safe. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Okay, I got I to gotta go quick because I got nine minutes. There's a clock up there too, guys. Man. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, then, do this. Then the peace of God, right? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Not conspiracies, not what ifs, not what could be, what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing then, the God of peace will be with you. So I like how the Passion Translation says in verse 6, don't let worry pull you in different directions. Isn't that what happens when we start to feel afraid or we start to feel stressed or anguished? We feel like we're just all over the place. That's what it does. And he said, nope, fix your thoughts. So here's what it says. Here's, here's the keys to overcoming fear and anxiety. Look at it, verse 6. Don't worry, instead what? Pray. Pray. Tell God what you need. Pray about everything, big and small. God cares about every little, itty-bitty little thing. Just last week, I was telling God in the morning, I need a new black jacket. Just a simple one. That's it. That's all I said. And I went about my day. And then later that night, the last minute Costco run to get pies for Trinity's baby shower. And I'm walking through the aisles. And usually I don't do the clothes, but Priscilla was with me. And so she's like, let's go through the clothes. And I was like, all right. So we went through the clothes. And then there was this, it's, it's on the chair. There's this beautiful black jacket, super soft. I put it on, it fits so nice. And you know what? It was on sale, $15. And when I picked it up and put it in the cart, the Lord said to me, you remember you asked for that today? And I was like, I did, I did. I wasn't worried about it, but I just want to share with you. God is like, he cares about the little stuff. I live in SoCal, I'm not going to freeze. I just wanted a black jacket. That's how good our God is. Pray about everything. Pray when you feel stressed. Pray when you're anxious. Pray when you're afraid. Pray when you're stressed out. Pray. Talk to God. Tell him everything. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to dress it. You just got to tell him. And then what does it say? I love this, and thank him. Everybody say, give thanks. Give. Gratitude is one of the most powerful weapons that you and I have as believers. I don't know about you, but when I start to feel a little stressed about maybe finances or doing something in that matter, I just remind myself of how God has taken care of me all along the way, and then I'm like, why am I afraid? He's never failed me. He won't start now. Thank you, God, for providing for me all of my needs. Thank you, God, for being with me, for breaking me through when I didn't know how I was going to get to the other side. Thank you, God, for strengthening me when I had no strength to go on. Thank you, God, for giving me everything I need. Gratitude will completely shift your perspective and get you out of fear and out of worry and into the peace of God. Because what does it say? If you will do that, pray. Everybody say pray. Give thanks. Then, then, then you get God's peace. I want God's peace. Are you praying? What's dominating your thoughts? Are you giving thanks? Right? And then it goes on to say in verse 8, fix your thoughts. 
fix your thoughts. That tells you and me that I can choose the direction of my thoughts. I can allow my thoughts to wander down this road or that road and this scenario and that scenario and this what if and that what if and this unknown and that unknown. Or I can stop it all and I can fix my thoughts on what is good and right and true and noble and praiseworthy and excellent. I can fix my thoughts on God alone. Fix your thoughts. Tell your neighbor, fix your thoughts. That means you and I have to do it. That means you are responsible for your thoughts. Do you know that? You're responsible for your thoughts. Maybe not the initial ones, but after that, you better start paying attention. I love to quote this one from Joyce Meyer. Think about what you're thinking about. Don't live on autopilot. See, a lot of us just live on autopilot. Something happens and we go into this go mode. And then we know what we're going to do. I'm in go mode. No, 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 no. Stop. Think about what you're thinking about. Is it on Christ? Is it on his word? Is it on God being with you, for you, around you, surrounding you? Or what is it that's dominating your thoughts? Worship team, come up. Everyone, look at verse 9. Read the first four words. Ready? Verse 9. Keep putting into practice. Tell your neighbor, practice, practice, practice. (laughs) Ha ha. Practice. In other words, you will not always experience victory right away. You got to practice. Retraining my mind takes work. It takes repetitive practicing. It takes an intention to do it over and over and over and over again until guess what? It becomes my natural reaction. Do you know that this can become your natural place of being, peace in God? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He says, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives, but my peace I give to you. You and I have the right to live in a place of peace, of rest, and it comes through faith and trust in God alone. Anything else apart from that is not your birthright. So give it up. Tell your neighbor, give it up. Stand to your feet. Look at this last scripture with me. This is one that you should memorize. And when I say that, I mean it. We need to memorize more scripture. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. Wow. That is so amazing. So how do you get perfect peace? I got to trust and I got to fix my thoughts on God. He wants you to live in perfect peace, family. He wants you to know perfect peace. You can have peace in the middle of a storm. You can have peace in the middle of a battle. You can have peace in the middle of a lot of unknown things. You can have peace when people have done you wrong. Peace is yours as a child of God. But you got to learn how to live in peace. You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, 
for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes in this moment. I know what's going on in your life, but the Father knows and He cares about you. You're valuable to Him. Not only does He know what you're going through now, He, he knows what's ahead. And He's already there. He goes before you. Whatever you've been going through, whatever fights in your mind and your emotions, this is the moment to surrender it to God. If you have fear you've been battling, worry you've been wrestling with, anxiety that's been trying to get in on your space, this is the moment to say, God, I surrender to you. I give you my fears. I give you my worries and my anxieties. I don't want to live in this place. I want your perfect peace. So in this moment, I am reminding myself of who you are, that you are for me. You're with me and beside me, inside me, all around me, above me and beneath me. That you're the Lord of heaven's armies. You care about us. You love us. You are for us. So right now, begin to pray about it. Whatever that situation is, begin to pray. Talk to God about it. Just take a moment and talk to God about what you're going through. Tell him how it makes you feel. Ask him your questions. Lay them before him. Tell him what, what frightens you or what worries you. Express it to him. And now that you've done that, begin to thank him for all that he's done so far. Come on. Some of you need to open your mouth and speak out loud because that's how we change the direction of our thoughts is with our words. So begin to thank God for his faithfulness, for his provision, his protection. Thank him for how he's come through for you time and time again, how he's healed you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name and forget not all his benefits for you heal me of all my diseases. You forgive all my sins. You redeem me from death and you crown me with love and righteousness. You renew my youth like an eagle. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, fix your thoughts on him in this moment. Worship him. Come on, worship him. Lift your hands and worship him. Exalt his name. Use your words. Use your words. You don't need us to sing. You need to use your words. Make him holy. Make him holy. Worship him. Worship him.
fix your thoughts. Take this practice. Discipline yourself. Focus in. Don't think about lunch or what you got to do today. Focus in on God. Fix your thoughts on Him. Make Him holy. Worship Him. Worship Him. Give Him thanks. Receive His peace that passes understanding. Receive His assurance that He's got it all taken care of. Receive what He has for you. Receive the promises that He's going to work it for good. Receive the promise that your enemies are confused, scattered, humiliated, never to be seen again. We receive the promise of God. We receive it, Lo. We receive a joy. We receive peace. We receive hope. We receive strength in the presence of the God Almighty. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.